Friend, our second lesson is from the third chapter of Luke, verses 7 through 18. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now, the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds ask him, what then should we do? In reply, John said to them, whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, teacher, what should we do? John said to them, collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, and we, what should we do? And John said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, and be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So, with many other exhortations, John proclaimed the good news. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we know that there is no true preaching without your Holy Spirit in every word that is spoken. And so it is my prayer that all of the words would be only of you and everything else would fall away. And it is also my prayer that our hearts and minds would hear you speak and that in hearing we would all be transformed. Amen. I spent some time this week probably more than I should have in my Bible commentaries to see if irony was at all a thing in the first century because this passage starts with John the Baptist calling people broods of vipers and it ends with him telling them that they may be thrown into unquenchable fire and then it says, and thus he shared the good news. John the Baptist reminds me of, I went to the University of Georgia and every game day there's some man standing on a wall saying, get right with Jesus or you're going to burn. And that's who John the Baptist reminds me of. And people just give him a really wide berth going where they need to go. The good news is what John told us yesterday in the passage right before this. The good news is that the Messiah is coming into the world and for John, the Messiah coming into the world demands a response. 
Last week, the response he wanted, it was for people to repent, to just turn around from the way they had been living and do things in a new way that was more like what God wanted. And this week, when he tells the people the Messiah is coming into the world, they stop him and they say, what then should we do? Pay attention in your biblical text when things are repeated. We have three times where people ask John what they should do, how they should live. And John answers them first by saying, if you have two coats, give one to someone who doesn't. If you have food enough, share with others. Reminds me of the story I've shared with you before of the father who gives his two daughters a bowl of ice cream and they come back and one sister says to the other, she got more than me. And the dad says, you only look in your sister's bowl to make sure she has enough. How then shall we live? You look in your brother and sister's bowl to make sure they have enough. It's really pretty simple. But then you have tax collectors who would have been reviled by this community because one, tax collectors worked for the Roman Empire, the same empire that was oppressing the Israelites. That's who they worked for. And not only that, but tax collectors had a reputation of asking for more money, demanding more payment than the Roman Empire requested so that they could skim a little off the top. And they say, well, if the Messiah is coming into the world, what then should we do? And John says, do your job. Do it without extorting more money. Do it with a sense of ethics that you take seriously who God is and what God is calling you to be. And then we have the soldiers, the Roman soldiers, who weren't even a part of the religious community, but they're listening. And they say, well, what should we do? And again, the answer is the same. Do your job well and with an ethic that gives testimony to God and don't use your might to scare, hurt, or intimidate others. What then shall we do? How shall we live? They take seriously that the Messiah is coming into the world and Advent is a time when we take seriously anew the good news that Christ came into the world as a baby. We also take seriously the good news that Christ is with us still and we look forward to the day when Christ will come again. And so the question for us is the same. What then shall we do? How shall we live? I had a friend this week who sent me an article that was printed in the New York Times at the end of November and all he put was, I thought of you. And it was an opinion article written by the Reverend Dr. Esau McCauley. And the title, if I'm remembering correctly, was something like, I grew up poor, I don't know how to raise my middle class kids. And the story that Esau McCauley has to tell is that he grew up in northwest Huntsville, Alabama. And Esau's life is markedly different than the life that his children have this day in that Esau was raised by a single mother who developed a brain tumor when he was small. She never worked again and they were on government assistance. And Esau said when he was a kid and he went to open up the refrigerator, he never knew if there was going to be food in there. 
but he's raising kids who open up the refrigerator to see if there's anything they like. He said sometimes he feels like he's just at this loss for parenting because in his childhood there was always violence and Esau knew to enter a room and he says this so beautifully. He learned how to read people's faces to see who was willing to fight and who was willing to do much worse. His kids walk into a room and they've never met a stranger and there is no danger for them. And he says, how... How do I raise these children who have such a different experience from me? And he says that he worries a lot about how his kids will interact with kids like him, how his kids will treat the poor, those who have less. They don't go to his kids' private school, but they're in the world. Will they remember the truth that he knows deep down inside that we are all the same regardless of class or race. And he says he's not sure that they will. And the most that he can hope for is that when his children look in the eyes of the poor, they will see the face of their father. What then shall we do? It is my prayer that this Advent, when you look in the eyes of your brothers and sisters, of your neighbors, and of the poor and the neglected, that you will see the faith of the Son. That you will see the face of the Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That you will know that there is no difference. And out of God's great love, God will take on frail flesh and become one of us in all of its indignity. And that when you look at others, you will see the face of the Son and you will ask, do they have enough? And if not, what can I give? The Messiah is coming into the world. The Messiah is in the world with us. The Messiah will come again. How then shall we live? What should we do? And as you look at each person you encounter, may you make sure they have enough, knowing always that you are looking at the face of Jesus Christ, painted on another's face, because we are all beloved children of God. Thanks be to God, and amen.